if you had the opportunity, would you quit your 9-to-5 job to go full-time with your social media career? Many would automatically say yes, but when it really comes down to it, it's scary to make life-altering decisions like that. You're taking a chance on yourself, and it takes time to build the confidence to be able to say, yes, I can do this on my own. From dealing with online hate and low engagement on that content you work so hard on, to building relationships with brands and defining your why, there's a lot that goes into being a full-time creator that truly takes a confident person to take on. I'm Kristen Bousquet and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and I've brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with Hannah Schneider, a body confidence and self-love creator and a great friend of mine who's been on this journey for about four years. She encourages her audience to think positively, dress in what they love, and celebrate themselves every day through inspirational and honest content. She also coaches budding influencers on how to work with brands and get their bag. Today, we're diving into building the confidence to become a full-time creator. How do you deal with the hard stuff? What's the difference between partnerships for Instagram, for TikTok? How can you navigate the world of being a self-sufficient entrepreneur? We're giving you the scoop on all things confidence as a career creator. This My Biz BFF is Social Scoop. Whether you're just dipping your toes into being a creator or you've been a creator for a while now, when you're looking to level up, I'm sharing all of the resources that you need to actually make that happen. Not to mention, I'm here by your side with any questions you have or situations that you're in. I'm so excited to work hand in hand with you in our monthly membership. You can use code SCOOP for 50% off of your first month. And we're going to do a free one-on-one intro call when you get signed up so that I can learn more about you, your goals, and how I can help you. There's a lot more information down in the show notes if you want to check it out. And I hope to see you guys there. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 54 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and I'm so excited that you're here. What is up, guys? I feel like the internet has gone absolutely mad in the last week since I've talked to you. Facebook slash Meta did lay off 13% of their employees, which is absolutely wild. It was around 11,000 people. And Twitter is going through a lot of things with Elon Musk as well right now. So it seems like a lot of our favorite platforms are just being shaken up as of recently. One thing that I learned about the meta layoffs is that a lot of the people who were laid off are actually part of their creator partnerships team. So that gives me a little bit of like the heebie-jeebies here because I wonder why if their focus is on creators, they would be laying off people on their creator team. A little sketchy, but we're going to have to just wait and see how it all plays out. In the meantime, a little bit has happened on Instagram that I want to share with you, some tests, and some really, really exciting new features. The first thing that I want to share with you, Instagram's Creator Marketplace has officially launched. If you guys saw my video on Instagram or on TikTok, you know that I did a couple of videos actually explaining this. The Creator Marketplace is basically Instagram's version of an influencer platform that connects creators to brands so that they can work on campaigns together. So this feature was given to people randomly. Not everyone right now has it. And it doesn't really look like there's any sort of follower minimum. That's a question that I always get whenever, you know, there's a new feature like this. How many followers do I need to have to get it? I've seen people across the board with follower count having this feature. So not really sure if that will be um, something they're taking into consideration. So you can find out if you're eligible. First of all, if you get a little notification that says you can join the creator marketplace, you can also go to your settings, business or creator, depending on what type of account you are, branded content, and then view available projects. If you see that option there, obviously you do have access. If not, just keep waiting it out because eventually... Hopefully everyone gets access. Now, one thing here that's pretty interesting is that a lot of people this week who did get this feature basically got into available projects and their screen was just frozen there, myself included, and pretty much everyone that I talked to. I also read somewhere that they're going to be tailoring the projects that are in there to different creators. And at this point in the launch, we all got the same partnership offers. So I'm definitely really interested to see how that plays out because I feel like maybe they released it a little bit prematurely, but we're just going to have to see what happens after all of these bugs are fixed per usual. 
This week, I also saw a really interesting video that I wanted to share with you. You should actually go down into the show notes and watch this video. It's about Instagram topics. So this is a video from my friend Claire. She's a great creator on TikTok. If you don't follow her already, you definitely should. Basically, on Reels right now, some users have the option to add topics. It's really similar to Pinterest idea pin topics where you'll be able to basically choose different topics that your video is about. And she was kind of putting out the idea here that maybe this is phasing out hashtags because hashtags are really used for categorizing your content. Obviously, you definitely can get some reach. We've all had experiences with hashtags where it has helped out our reach quite a bit but it helps to categorize our content. So adding topics to your content will obviously further help to categorize things. So I don't have this feature yet. Once I do, I'll definitely let you guys know what it's like, but I think it's a really smart idea since Instagram's algorithm just doesn't, it's not it. (laughs) It's not it, especially compared to TikTok, right? Instagram is also working on the ability to share a story only to your followers who you follow back. So when you're in that share screen on stories, when you go hit share, you'll be able to choose from your story, which goes to everyone, followers you follow back, so mutual follows, and close friends, and we know what that is. This will be pretty interesting. I don't know that I will necessarily use this, but all right. Instagram is working on a profile ask me anything button. So very similar to what we have on TikTok. Under your bio, there will be a question icon and next to it, it says ask me anything. People will be able to click that and ask you questions. At this point, I'm unsure on where these questions will go and if you can answer them back through a reel like you can in a TikTok. But I like this option because it does offer people who get a lot of questions to have an organized place for them and hopefully be able to streamline some of the questions that they're getting from, you know, a bunch of different directions. So I like this. I wonder if people will actually use it. But again, we'll just have to wait and see. Now, we talked a little bit about this as the Instagram candid feature maybe a couple months ago at this point. The name has changed. This is basically the be real copy that Instagram is creating. It is called Glimpse. So a glimpse story can be shared to followers or followers you follow back so you can choose who actually gets to see it. Basically what they said in this little test, and again, you can see screenshots in the show notes, Quote, take a photo or short video with the front and back cameras. Only people who also add a glimpse story can see yours, end quote. So I'm not sure where these are going to live, and that's kind of my biggest concern with them. I hope that they don't try and make this whole glimpse feature like the next Instagram stories because I just don't think people are into it. Like even thinking about the feature TikTok now on TikTok, I don't think enough people actually use it where this is something that's going to be a game changer for Instagram or TikTok. I think Be Real did it. And if people got on Be Real, they have that platform to do it. Why do we need to do it on three different platforms? It seems a little ridiculous. (laughs) So I personally, like, I tried TikTok now and I was like, this was fun for like a day and a half. And now I don't care. (laughs) So let me know your thoughts on that. I'm definitely really interested to hear what you guys think. Also, this interview that's coming up with Hannah is one of my favorites. Hannah is a great friend of mine, and it's just so funny because every time we were saying stuff, I was like, do we share the same brain? So if you ever enjoy things that I share with you, I think you'll definitely enjoy this interview with Hannah. I hope you guys love it. And as always, let me know if you have any questions and enjoy. If you have ever wanted to be a full-time creator, but you weren't sure exactly how to do it, but also you have the mental blocks that stop you from doing it, you're going to love this episode. Hannah is here today to kind of tell us about her journey. We're going to talk through how we both became full-time creators and all of the craziness that goes along with that. So Hannah, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Kristen. I'm so honored to be here. I'm so excited, you guys. Hannah and I have been friends online for so long, and we've never actually talked like face to face. I know, but we've talked <laughs> it's crazy. like a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> it's so exciting. So, Hannah, for anyone who doesn't know you yet, let's kind of just hear a little bit more about you and all that you do. Yeah, so I'm Hannah. I run the accounts Hannah Lee Lifestyle on TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, um, <laughs> and I started 
doing full-time content creation this year, actually, but I've been doing it for about four years. Um, I specialize mostly in like plus size fashion, body positivity. Um, but I do also coach a lot of other creators, um, and influencers and kind of help them make that money and get their bag. So we love kind it. of a, an array of things, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So what did you do before you were full-time? Like what is the job that you, you quit? I have done, I have had so many careers and I'm only 28 years old. Um, <laughs> I started <laughs> in same. finance. Yeah. Finance and corporate. And then I went into sales and corporate and I ended up finally as a social media manager. And that's when I was kind of starting to make that bridge between ending my corporate life and really starting this more like social media, creative world, freelancing. So finally, after that, I started doing a lot of freelance work, working with entrepreneurs, running their social media. And I stopped doing that in May. And now I just focus on this full time. I love that. I actually am really curious. I think one thing that I hear from people a lot is, oh my gosh, I have this full-time job. Like I work my nine to five. I don't have time to create content. Like I don't have the time that I want to put into it. And I mean, you did it for years. So like, what did that look like for you in terms of balancing your nine to five, but also like hustling enough with your content creation that now you were able to make that full time? Yeah, it's such a hustle. And I think you have to be really passionate about what you're doing online for it to work because I would finish up my corporate job and then just be so excited to jump in, you know, posting things at the end of the day. Sometimes I'd post things on my lunch break, spend the weekend shooting content. Like it's such a hustle. And I would often try to, you know, spend my lunch break doing things or get in a little bit of work before I started my day. Um, but you have to just really, really love it because it is like working two jobs. Yeah. And it's an interesting concept too, because I think when people ask that question, they're looking for like an easy answer. They're like, what's Mm -hmm. the secret? And I, I'm every time I'm just like, there is no secret. Like you literally just have to work two jobs until you cannot work one of them. Like that's exactly. Yeah. Especially living in the Bay area. It's one of the most expensive places in the country. Like there was no way at first that, you know, making maybe a hundred dollars a month, I was going to quit my corporate job to do this, but it really has worked out. So I think like setting those goals for yourself and then just focusing on that when it gets hard, you know, it will get hard. It will. It's such a roller coaster, this content creation, even if you're working a perfect job, even if you're doing it full time. So just remembering like your why of why you want to do this. Why are you passionate about it? And where do you see yourself in a couple of years? And that's such a great point. What is your why? And I think so many creators too don't go into being a creator with necessarily like a reason. They're just like, oh, like I see everyone else does. It like looks so cool. I can take cute pictures and just post them and make it my job. But like they don't have a deeper purpose behind doing that. And I think that's where a lot of creators do get kind of, you know, tripped up because then they don't really have anything that's like holding them accountable, I guess, or like really making them want to stay. Cause like you can just stop taking cute pictures whenever. And like, you know, it's not like, it's not like it's going to deter you from this mission that you're on. Like, I mean, you can kind of even talk a little bit about your mission. I know you definitely do have one. And just from watching your content, like it's very clear to me, like why you're creating content. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think I was one of these people who did not start doing this with the desire of becoming a creator. I was just feeling very stuck in life and needed a creative outlet. And that kind of fell into, oh, I'm posting about body positivity and I can actually uplift people with this content. And then I had people writing me saying, wow, you've, you've given me a voice or seeing my body represented in mainstream media is incredible. And it just spiraled from there. And so, you know, I think if you start this with, I just, I want to be a big influencer and I want to make a lot of money. You know, that's, it's a hard, that's a hard why, because you're going to hit (laughs) these hard points where you're like, why did I want to do this again? I don't remember. Exactly. And I feel like that's not even like a good enough reason. You know what I mean? Like there has to be like a, just a deeper purpose rather than just the surface level of like, I want to be famous. I want to make money. Like 
okay, lots of people want that. There's plenty <laughs> of different ways that you can do it. But like, mm-hmm. why are you doing it this way? Why are you doing it talking about this topic? Like, there has to be a deeper meaning behind it. Because again, like, when you are having to constantly create content and constantly think of new ideas and go through all these frustrations, you have to have something to fall back on that, again, is going to like make you want to keep going. Because that plenty of yeah. times there mm-hmm. are there are times when you don't want to keep going no matter exactly. where you are yeah and i think people don't realize like how hard it actually is as a job like you see all the glamorous parts of it right of the course. free clothes all the gifts and going to cool events and just having people see you online like it's really cool those are awesome perks but yeah. it gets so hard sometimes and exhausting and the burnout is real i think i get burnt out like once a month um, <laughs> honestly so literally having that yeah like having that why to go back and like fall back on and be like okay let me really think about this like big picture like why did i get into this because it's not all rainbows and butterflies and it's actually kind of hard. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there are just so many like mental frustrations that we go through as creators. And I think the part about all of it that bothers me the most is that like people are so insensitive to it because they only do see the glamorous parts of our jobs. They're like, why are you complaining? You get free clothes or why are you complaining? Like you get paid to post on Instagram. Like but it's still my job and I'm still allowed Mm -hmm. to be frustrated with different aspects of my job. Like you can't take that away from me because my job's cool. Yeah. And I think we saw that a lot with the whole Michaela drama on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't remember her last name, but with that, McGarrett, yeah, she was, you know, if you guys didn't see that, she, a video came out from, I think like a year and a half ago where she was complaining about her job. And I think someone had written to her and said like, well, you have the easiest job ever. Like, why are you complaining? And this video went super viral and everyone was like, oh my God, how dare she? Like, she doesn't have a hard job. Like she has no right to complain, but it's like, you don't know what we go through. And I feel like anyone who works any kind of job has the right to complain about their job because there are days when it's, you know, people are attacking you online and you have to have that thick skin and you can't let it get to you. And then you have 12 videos to record and there's just a lot. It can be overwhelming. Oh yeah. I think that the mental frustrations are like happen a lot more than like the physical or the logistical frustrations. Like I think a lot of full-time creators are like, okay, I understand like how to run my business and like I've got that part down, but most of it is just like the stuff that happens in your head, you know, where you're like, oh, I can't think of any ideas or, oh, this person did so much better than me. Why am I even trying? Or my post didn't perform well, like I should just give up. Or, you know, this person is a troll who left this mean comment on my post. Like, oh, I like don't even want to post anymore. Like those things seem like very minuscule minuscule when you kind of like say them out loud but like they are things that can weigh on you mentally so heavily and like really deteriorate you from inside out like absolutely like when you become a full-time creator every piece of feedback you get feels personal like you are so tied to your content that it's like if anyone says anything mean it feels like such a personal attack and that was something I really had to learn because I am so sensitive (laughs) and so for me I was like oh my god everyone hates me like why do people hate me and yeah it's just a part of the job and you like you literally have to learn how to have thicker skin. And that was like what probably one of the hardest parts of this for me. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I, I feel like for me, like the topics that I talk about, I'm thankful that I I don't really there's not like a lot of opportunities for people to really like say bad things or like trolls to be in the comments. Thankfully, um, but I actually just recently started on YouTube Shorts and people on YouTube Shorts are so <laughs> aggressive, like, and for just no reason. Like, people will straight oh. up come out on my video and be like, we don't care. <laughs> I'm just oh like, my God. like, like why thanks don't you for just, sharing. <laughs> like, maybe you just keep scrolling. I don't know. Like, yeah. do you feel like you really have to leave a comment to tell me that? Thank you. Like, 
it's just crazy to to see like what people do with their time. I, I literally don't even have time to leave troll comments. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't even imagine getting on YouTube shorts because TikTok was that for me. Uh, the first time I went viral, people were just horrible in the comments. And it's like, I, I cannot add another platform to that. <laughs> right, right. I think the power too, to like, you. I'm I'm just experimenting with it. I have no uh, no plans to make this a, a stagnant <laughs> thing. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I can see with like body positivity, I think being I don't know, like not a new concept because it's not a new concept. But I think more and more people are talking about it, and more and more people are becoming body positive or like you know like really being okay with with themselves and like accepting themselves and and, like sharing that on the internet. And I think there's a lot of people who are not used to that and obviously have their own thoughts on, on what someone who looks a certain way looks, feels like all of these things, you know, like people have their, their own notions. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. that coming onto TikTok for the first time as someone who is talking about body positivity, you probably did get a lot more trolls than someone again, like me, who's talking about like, you know, here's how to make money on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely eye opening because I feel like Instagram, especially if you're not going viral all the time, it can feel like this happy little bubble. Um, and you're with all your friends and they're hyping you up and it's just like a very safe space. And so getting on TikTok and having, you know, thousands, if not millions of people seeing my videos where I'm talking about body positivity and people don't necessarily agree with that or they don't like it. It was definitely eye-opening for me. I can imagine. And it's just, it's one of those things where people, I think, maybe think it's okay in the comments to say whatever they want to say because they're like, well, this person put it out there. Like, I have the right to say what I want to say about it. But like, that's just not how it works. Like, it's still a human being. I think, again, on the internet, it feels like a lot of the times it's not real. Like, you see people posting TikToks and you don't think that it's just like, the person that, you know, lives in the house next door to you or lives down the street, but like, these are real people. And so leaving comments like that is obviously very damaging. And, but I think people don't like even think it's real, you know, like they don't treat it. Exactly. Like they, they think that you're not going to see it or something. I'm like, I see every single comment, even if videos are going like super, super viral. Like I see it, I internalize it. I process that and I cry about it sometimes. Like no matter like how many times this happens to you or like how thick your skin is, like there's still going to be a comment or two that just like gets under your skin. And I don't think these people realize that like, yeah, you're a real person who's reading these comments. Yep. And I think another thing to point out too, is like, no matter where you are in your career or where you are in, in your growth or whatever, like if, whether you have 5,000 followers or 5 million followers, like that's still going to affect you, you know, like just because you have a lot of followers doesn't mean you're immune to, you know, the frustrations of the internet. I was actually just having a call with um, one of our girls in our membership. And basically we were talking about kind of like imposter syndrome. And she was just like, you know, I, I always feel like I look at other people and like, I feel like everyone is, you know, better than me. And so I don't want to post or like my content's not good enough. So I don't want to post. And, you know, she's afraid of trolls. She's afraid of it not performing well and all of these things. And I straight up, the first thing I told her was like, that's never going to go away. You know, like, I have been doing this for I don't even know how many years now and I literally still all the time I'm just like oh my content sucks like I'm done or like you know what I mean Mm -hmm. oh this didn't perform well like I just don't want to do this anymore I think about that literally once a week if not more. Yeah it never goes away it's just a constant game of comparison and you always think like well once I hit 20,000 followers or once I get this level of engagement like I won't feel that way anymore and it is not true. Like no matter where you are with your following, your engagement, your content, you are always going to feel like you're not doing enough or you're not doing it good enough. Or it's yeah. Every week, every week I have that. Yeah, (laughs) It is literally like, again, I think it it never goes away. You almost just get, you get better at dealing with it and you get maybe a little bit more comfortable with, with those feelings, but that is, it's still going to affect you. I'm sure in some way, shape or form, even if it's just for a minute versus Mm -hmm. maybe it ruins your whole week when you first get started. But 
you get used to it, but it, it definitely does not go away by any means. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I want to kind of shift a little bit and talk about um, Instagram specifically. Um, you had that shopping affiliate commission thing, right? Yes, I did. And it's gone. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Obviously, for anyone who is listening and doesn't know, anyone who had that affiliate commission, our posts were getting pushed out to like a, a massive amount of people compared to what they would without using that yeah. um, tag or whatever. And so it's gone now. At the end of August, they took it away. Um, and so my posts have gone back to like just going right down the shitter. And so <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm i trying to mentally deal with it. And I'm really curious to see like, I guess how even, you know, like taking that into consideration, but even not taking that into consideration and looking at like the last couple years versus what it's looked like in the last, you know, year or so. How are you dealing with like the difference in reach and engagement? Because I, I think everyone's going through it. I don't think it's, you know, exclusive yeah. to a small group of people. Everyone's going through it. And I'm not going to lie to you guys and say that I'm having an okay time with it. I know. <laughs> like, it's hard. It's really hard, especially when you're a full-time creator and your income literally relies on how well your posts are doing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard when brands say, oh, your engagement is totally shitty right now and we're not going to yeah. pay you what you want. Um, so yeah, not going to lie to you and say it's easy. Um, I do think like I have transitioned so much to TikTok because of this. I yeah. still post on Instagram, but I used to post on Instagram like every single day. I just don't have the energy for that anymore. It's yep. it it sucks. <laughs> it really um, does suck. I I feel the exact same way and I think it's so interesting too because Instagram is like, we want everyone to stop using TikTok and come use Instagram. That's why they keep copying all their features, mm -hmm. but they're literally driving all of us away over yeah. to TikTok. Like you are doing the opposite of yeah. what you are trying to do here. And I don't know why no one tells them this. Like has no one sat down and said, Instagram, what are you doing? Like, No, but I think they know. And that's what's so crazy is like, wild. I, I mean, I was on that call with Meta a couple months ago right. and they absolutely know that they're in trouble, but they are just not making changes that are going to help them. And it makes no sense. But in their mind, they think they are like these suggested posts. They, right. they told us on the call that the suggested posts were their way of pushing out smaller creators. But I don't think I've no. ever gotten a suggested post from a small creator. Like it makes yeah. no sense. That, but also so, the fact that you can just turn them right off, which I do every time yeah. I get them. And then the other thing is like, I don't necessarily need to see new creators. I just want my audience to see my content. Like, I don't know why exactly. that's so hard so to like, hard. grasp. I just want yeah. them to see and it. You know what's crazy too is because their their response to that is, well, now you have the following tab or whatever that no you No one's use. using it. Come on. No one's using it. But even when I do use it, like on my personal account, I still see only the larger creators that I've put into that. Mm -hmm. People who have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers show up first. And I, it's not chronological. It makes no right. sense. Like they're all at the top, even if they posted a week ago, 10 days ago. So I'm like, so this is still just showing me the larger creators yeah. and I'm still not really seeing my friends. So how is this a solution? It's not solving the problem. It's just no. making me more annoyed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is basically everything they do just makes me more annoyed. It's so discouraging though. It really is because I know for me, like Instagram has always been my main platform and I don't I don't think that brand deals I guess they have been slower and I'm sure it is because of what's going on with engagement and reach and all of that but like I, I have been trying to focus on like making stronger connections with a few brands who really do like believe in me and what I'm doing so that I am able to sustain an income but like I used to get like an overwhelming amount of of inquiries into my inbox from brands and I was, you know, like, again, working with a lot of different brands. And I think that definitely has changed. And I, I really do feel like it's because of the drop in engagement. Yeah. And what I'm surprised about with these brands, too, is at least for me, 
probably 90% of the brands who email me still want work done on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm trying to push them to TikTok because I'm like, look, the content's going to do better. It's way more authentic. Like we can get hundreds of thousands of views over there easily. And on Instagram, maybe I can get you 8,000 views on a reel, like on a good day. If we're lucky. (laughs) If we're lucky. So yeah, Yeah. I just, I feel like brands are still pushing for work on Instagram, but they need to be switching over because people buying on Instagram, it's just not happening as much. People don't want to shop on there, even though Meta thinks we really, really do. Um, We don't. So I've been trying personally, yeah, newsflash. Um, But yeah, I'm trying to really push those brands to start using TikTok more. And it's like a slow thing, but it's happening. Yeah, I actually, I would definitely agree with that too. I, I can't remember who I was talking to recently. I had someone on the podcast that we were talking to about this. Um, and they were saying it was actually a uh, shine. They're an agency. And so basically mm. they were saying that a lot of their brands are still really interested in, in Instagram a lot of the times because of like the way that they're running ads on Instagram and things like that. So they, they prefer, and it feels like a little bit safer for them to spend their money because again, like TikTok is still really new and they're kind of afraid to experiment with their money there, which I get. But also I think like, TikTok made me buy it is a thing for a reason. Like we don't, we've never heard of Instagram made me buy it. Like if Mm -hmm. I'm buying something that I probably don't need, it's definitely from TikTok. Like I have never, I don't think I've ever shopped on that shop tab on on Instagram. No, I literally never use that. Like the way they made a whole tab. Like (laughs) we don't need it. Literally just last week, I shared a pair of pants on TikTok. I made one TikTok video, I think Saw it took me a minute pants. and a half. Abercrombie pants. And I thought I sold like 40 pairs of them from one Wild. video. Yeah. So I'm like, that would never happen on Instagram. Yep. But like, there's just this opportunity on TikTok. I also just right. charge less for TikTok because it's Same. so much quicker for yep. me to make videos for TikTok because it's more authentic, less curated. Whereas yep. on Instagram, you have to make sure everything's aesthetic and beautiful. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. I need a cover photo and I need my reel and something to post yeah. on stories. Like TikTok, you just, it's not really like a, even a production. Like you just, bing, bang, boom, you got a video. (laughs) Exactly. Like for brands who want gifted, like in feed posts, I'm like, I will never give that to you. I'm sorry, but you can have a gifted TikTok if I want your, your clothing or whatever. Yeah. And that will just be so much easier because we're actually going to get interested people and it's going to be really easy for me to make that video. So I'm just like, why are more brands like not running to TikTok right now? It's like the perfect time. Yeah. I think it's, it's something for creators to think about too, when they are pitching to brands, like you are in a 50, 50 partnership. So like, if you think that you're like, if you are being asked for an Instagram post and you're like, this is going to fail on Instagram, but I can see it soaring on TikTok. You should definitely be telling the brands Mm. that you're right because the brand is going to be so much happier when they're like, all right, we trust you. Let's do this on TikTok. And they do it and they sell 40 pairs of pants and they're like, sick, we would have sold two on Instagram, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's funny because yesterday I was at the mall and I saw the pair of pants that you had at Abercrombie (laughs) and I straight up almost bought them. They didn't have my size, but I was like, these are the pants that she had on the video. So like it works Mm -hmm. and I don't even have to be buying them online. Like just seeing those videos and like, Again, it, it because they're so authentic and they it feel it feels like you're just you're sending me a video like over text and you're like Kristen, you have to go buy these pants. They're so cute. Look how cute they look on me. You know, like that's how yeah. TikTok feels versus Instagram is just like here's someone perfect wearing these perfect pants in this perfect house and everything is perfect. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a world of difference, but I really do hope that more brands start to be, I guess, less nervous about TikTok and, and more open to creators going there and creating content. Because I really do think even just like the reach potential, like that mm-hmm. video, I would be curious to know, like, what is the percentage of that video that was your followers versus people from the FYP? Because I bet you it's a massive amount of people from the FYP. Yeah, absolutely. And the amount of followers I gained from that, yeah. you know, like I think I gained like 2000 followers from this one video that got like 80,000 views took me a minute to make, you know, that's yeah. just, 
it's incredible that reach. And I don't think it's going to last forever on TikTok. So I think like, if you're not on TikTok right now, you need to get on TikTok and brands who, because the other issue is that I have a lot of brands who do want to work with me on TikTok, but they want to make these beautiful curated videos because they're still stuck in this Instagram mindset (laughs) and they have to trust creators, especially creators who are doing well on TikTok and say, you know what, let me leave it up to you why don't you do whatever you think is going to sell our clothes? And that would be way more beneficial than having this like outlined, like, you know, yeah. Telling you what to do basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I was even um, working with a a wine brand in there or like a Prosecco company. And basically I've been working with them very frequently um, in the last few years. And they usually do give me like a very specific brief. But this time I was like, how about we do this? Like, here's my suggestion because, you know, I know my audience best. I know my audience better than they do. So like as a creator, you being able to suggest things that you think are going to work. I know it's scary because sometimes you don't want to like tell the brand, oh, here's how you do your job. But at the same time, like they are hiring you as a professional service provider who knows Mm -hmm. how to market. And at the end of the day, like if you tell them how you can market best, again, I think they're only going to appreciate those things. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. I actually just saw, um, I was just talking about this on uh, another episode of our podcast, but I, I think it's like a point that I'm going to keep bringing up because I think it's a really good one to drill into people's heads. Um, I saw this video and it was, um, she was an influencer manager and she got an email from uh, like a brand that wanted to work with one of her creators. And basically this brand was like, oh, you know, like we want to work with her, um, but we're, you know, we're really looking to like make sure we get our money back on what we pay her. So like we can only spend this much, you know, guaranteeing that we're going to get this much money back. And the girl messaged back and she was just like, my influencer is not a a salesperson. She's a marketer. Because again, like I can tell people this is why you need it. But like me physically making them go to the checkout page and actually purchase something isn't always like there's a lot of things that can stop them from hitting purchase on the way there. I can put it in their head that they that they should want it and that they should need it. But then actually getting there is really on on the brand, you know, like they need to make sure their website looks a certain way and that their checkout process is easy and that shipping isn't $25 or, you know, whatever. There's a million things that could stop them, but. Yes. 100%. Yeah. It's interesting to think about, right? Like it's, we're not there to necessarily make like the completion of sales. Like we're there to tell people that they need things like to basically plant the seed, I guess. Yeah. This is something I tell like every influencer I work with, we're not sales people, Mm -hmm. we're marketers. And as someone who has a background in sales, like I sell myself, but I'm not selling your product. I'm marketing your product and the rest is up to you. And there have been times for me as well, where I see something on TikTok and I'm like, Ooh, I want to buy that. And then you're right. It's like $25 shipping or the website sucks or, you know, and then I'm like, "Mm, not really worth it to me. So the rest of that is on the brand. And that's why I do not work on commission. (laughs) Literally. Exactly. And that is such a great point with like affiliate partnerships and things like that. I mean, I think at this point in time, most creators listening probably like know maybe the cons of like an affiliate or a commission-based partnership, there's just no guarantee that you're going to make money. And it's hard to like say that to the brand sometimes because the brand is like, well, like we, we obviously want to make money. Like, what do you mean? There's no guarantee Mm -hmm. we're going to make money. But at the end of the day, it's, you can't control how people end up like actually making that decision. You can make them want to, but you don't know that they're ever actually going to. So commission is hard because you might literally make zero dollars, even though maybe, uh, you know, six months down the road when someone needs that product and actually needs it now, they might go buy it and forget to use your link or something like it. Yeah, exactly. I can't with the commission based stuff. I can't. I can't. I got a brand or an offer from a brand the other day where they said, you make us a TikTok post, an Instagram post, post some stories and we will pay you. $1 for every item you sell. 
And I was no. like, so I would have to literally sell like a thousand a thousand <laughs> items in order to like no. recoup my fee that I would usually charge. Like that makes no sense. No, that's and again, like it's it's so crazy because could you imagine like in the sales world if if you were to like go in and they were like, all right, well today for work we'll give you a dollar for every customer that you talk to. You're like, okay, well, I can only talk to 25 people a day. Okay, well, yeah. do I make $25 today? That's, that's not how this <laughs> exactly. works. And to be fair, I do think those offers can be good if you're like a celebrity or like a massive yeah. influencer who's reaching tons and tons of people, then maybe you'll recoup your change, you know? But right. for me, someone who doesn't have hundreds of thousands of followers yeah. constantly buying what I'm selling, like I have to go into this being smart and I have to mm-hmm. get my bag. So yeah. I can't just like do all this free work in hopes that it's going to be the right time, the right place and reach the right people for them to buy the product. Exactly. And I mean, that's where the kind of differences between campaign goals, I think is is important for creators to know, like, okay, is the is the goal sales for this campaign? Are you confident that you can make sales? You know, again, like, think about that. They have to go through that whole checkout process. After you tell them to go to the website, like, are you sure you're you're confident that that's going to work, you know, mm-hmm. or if, if the goal isn't sales, like, is it brand awareness? Okay. Like what is, what is your reach look like? Like do people, you know, are people going to be interacting on the post? Or are you going to be garnering some sort of, um, engagement or hype around it? You know, like there's so many different goals that a campaign might have. It's not always just sales, but I think it's important for creators to know those things before they go into it so that they can, again, like get the best result, for the brand. And it's not weird to ask that. Like if anything, I oh, think no, a brand would be super impressed if you were like, what are your campaign goals here? You know, like, cause a lot of the times they don't tell you. So this is good yeah. information to have. Yeah. That's something I ask every single brand I work with. What are your goals? What are your marketing goals? Yeah. And then what's your budget? <laughs> <laughs> and then how much are you going to pay me? Because you are going to yeah. pay me if I'm doing anything. Thank you so much. <laughs> so actually speaking of rates, how did you, like, what was the process for you of figuring out your rates when you were kind of like, again, getting into this process of like, all right, I want to be full time, like, or I'm, I'm about to be full time. Like I need to make sure I know what to charge and I can actually get these rates that I want. Um, How did that process happen for you? You know, I feel for, I feel like for a lot of creators, they have this, a much better process than I do. I don't know. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I've heard a lot of creators say like, all right, I figured out like how much do I want to make? And then, you know, I'll divide that and figure out how many clients I need. I do not do that. I kind of just test the waters. Um, Mm -hmm. So I talk to a lot of people. I think transparency is really important. So I love talking to other creators to find out what they're charging for similar things. Um, And sharing that transparency as well is super important. But I think for me, I just started trying it out. And I said, okay, for me, it's going to be worth it to make this amount of money for one video or this amount of money for one in-feed post or whatever it is. And then the more brands that started accepting that rate, the more I increase that rate. Yep. And especially when you start getting brands who don't negotiate with you and they just say like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that rate. Then I immediately go to my spreadsheet and I say, all right, we're up in that. Yep. And the next brand deal, I'm going to say more and more. And I just think, yeah, I'm constantly changing my rates. Like I never have Same. set rates for anything. Um, but I also, you know, depending on how busy I am during the year, I really try to push to get the brand's budget first. Um, mm-hmm. cause there have been times where I've said, Oh, I'll offer $200 for that. And their budget is $600. And that's so important to hear what they're willing to spend. Yeah. Um, so that you can, you know, go up, go down. If you don't have a lot of clients at the time, maybe you can meet them at a lower rate that right. works if you really want to work with them. Because I've also found times that I work with a brand at a lower rate or on a gifted. And then the next time we work together, they're willing to pay my full rate. So I, I don't think there's like a set way to find your rate. It's unfortunately difficult. I think, you know, talking like anyone who comes in my DMs, like I will tell you what my rates are. Like there's no secrecy around this for me. I don't think it should be a taboo subject. I think we all need to be talking about it. Um, and I've told a lot of my friends to increase their rates, um, because Mm -hmm. 
when you are new to this, you don't think you're worth it. But if you really think about everything you're offering the brands that they're not going to have to pay for, um, you know, a photographer, makeup, styling, location, models, like you're doing all of it. And so definitely add a little bit more than you think you're worth and see what the brand says. Cause the worst thing they can say is no, or let's find a rate that works for both of us. Exactly. And and I think maybe that process that you went through is maybe more common than you think, because I feel like so many people that I talk to, I think everyone maybe on the surface likes to be like, here's how I perfectly figured out my rates. Here's the formula and whatever. I don't think that's how it happens for a lot of people. I think that's how people want you to think it happens. Yeah, that's Um, probably true. Yeah. No, I went through the exact same process. I literally pulled a number out of my ass one day. And then I, the more and more I got to talking with other people, I was like, oh my God, they're charging double what I am. Okay. Charge it up. We're moving it up to that. Or or I did a, a trial with an agency once and they bumped my rates up double to what I thought was already double. And then I was like, cool, those are my new rates now. And and again, like the more companies that I had accepting it, the more I was like, cool, this is working. Like these are my rates. You know, yeah. So. And I, I think it's a confidence thing. Like yes. I did have the advantage of working as someone who was hiring influencers for a while and people who had 600 followers were trying to charge me a thousand dollars, you know, like some people just have this confidence in asking for what they want. And I think it really just comes down to that. Like no much money is too much money. If they're hiring other influencers and paying them thousands of dollars, potentially, like why not just ask for it and see what they say? Because they're not going to be like, how dare you? Like (laughs) they're probably just going to negotiate with you, you know? (laughs) Right. It's all, it's all in the negotiation. It's all a negotiation process. Very, very rarely does a brand ever respond and just say, "Mm, yeah, sorry, too low for us. Never mind. Bye. Like most of the time it's like, all right, well, like that's too high. Like really the highest we can come is to this rate. And then I'll usually be like, okay, well let's try and push it just like a little bit more. How about we meet Mm -hmm. right here? And like, let's go, let's sign the contract. And a lot of the times that works. So it it usually, I would say nine out of 10 times is going to end up being, uh, you know, just a negotiation process. So like you might as well put out a big number. Like you never know what's going to happen. And again, it's all a learning experience. So if you did just throw out a high number, a brand might literally accept that. And typically if yep. a brand immediately accepts your rates, that's probably either right where it needs to be or even a little bit lower. So again, you bump it up a little bit, see what happens, bump it up a little bit, see what happens. But it's also not to say that like you're not going to have to go down sometimes too, because for certain campaigns, again, how busy are you? Like, do you really, are you really struggling for, you know, campaigns right now. Cause if you are, you're probably going to accept lower rates. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've accepted things for like a TikTok video for $250 or $1,250. You know, like it really just depends on how much work is this going to be for me? Is it worth it for me? Are they asking for like crazy usage rights? Is this a big production? Um, you know, all of those things come into play. Um, so yeah. And I also don't think there's any harm in like, especially when you're starting out working with brands for free or for very little money and forming a relationship with them. Because again, so many of the brands I work with paid now, I started with gifted and then they came back and they were like, we loved your content or it worked really well with your audience. We want to pay you your rate. And so I just see a lot of new creators who are like, I always have to ask for money. Always, always, always. And it's like, not necessarily like you need to be forming these relationships so you can like eventually get there and like become a full-time creator like that's a huge part of how I did that you know right and I mean if there's no shame in even asking for the money but if if they're Mm -hmm. like you're you're still too new like you don't you know you're not really at the level of what we're looking for we can only do gifted okay sick let's do gifted like let's start there but you know I never think I don't think it like hurts to to try and then see where that gets you but you're right like you do still have to build a portfolio at the end of the day you do still want to have examples of what you can do for brands and if you haven't done any of that first of all how do you really expect to have a brand hire you based off of nothing um but then also you know like you doing those things gifted again could get your foot in the door too and a lot of the times what I noticed with those campaigns, like even I did um, a cl- not even a collaboration. I was posting about a new platform and I just I knew my audience would love it. So I just shared it. 
And they had actually reached out to me. They didn't pay me or anything, but they reached out to me and said, hey, we saw your video. We loved it. We want to use it as an ad. And so then I got paid just for the usage. So like there's ways to turn gifted into something that's monetized. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But like, you're right, there's no shame in in, in taking those unpaid or really low paid partnerships, especially when you're first getting started off. Yeah, exactly. And I also think just like, turn that person into your friend. Like, literally. I started literally after I listened to your podcast, I started adding all the social media managers I work with on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I started having conversations like, oh, where'd you go on your vacation? Where, you know, talking yeah. about just like everyday thing, because then they're going to think, wow, I need to find a creator for Q4. We have an unlimited budget. I loved working with Kristen. I think I'm going to email Kristen because she's just a good time. Like do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of like the whole anti-pitch method. And for anyone who hasn't Mm -hmm. checked it out, um, I'll leave a link down in the description, but it's really about building connections and building relationships. And it's crazy. I even yesterday I recorded an episode, um, with um, a guy who's from Open Influence, um, and he basically, I mean, he won- runs one of the biggest influencer platforms, and the advice that he gave me when I was like, oh, what are um, the tips you have for, like, building great connections with brands? He was just like, be a good human, like, be a good partner. Ask again, like, build relationships, ask them about their their day, or again, like, even just responding to emails quickly, like, be a good person to work with. You don't necessarily have to make all the sales in the world or have like the most groundbreaking content. You being a good partner and being a good person literally gives you such a leg up. I don't think people realize how much. (laughs) It's true. And like, give them a little extra. Like sometimes if people hire me for an Instagram reel, I'll post it on TikTok too. Or maybe I'll make like a little like unboxing video on my stories. Like if they ask for like a slight change that I would normally charge for, maybe it's our first time working together. I'm going to make, make that change for them. Like be easy to work with and they will want to work with you because as someone who's worked with influencers, Mm -hmm. so many influencers are hard to work with and kind of divas. It's crazy. crazy. Oh, divas or just straight up non-responsive. Like they just non-responsive. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so wild. Um, also, I literally I think it's so funny talking to you because I literally everything you're saying, I'm just like, yes, I said the same <laughs> thing. Oh my gosh. Like we are on the same page in 1000 percent We are. Um, <laughs> this was so much fun. We should just do this like all the time. I would love to have you back. Um, I hope everyone who is listening really loved listening to this conversation, got something good out of it. Hannah's DMs, I'm sure, are always open if you have any questions um, and as are mine. So Hannah, thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. This was literally a goal for my whole year. So I'm stoked to have been here. Yay. Oh my gosh. Yes. I remember that after I had messaged you, you were like, I just wrote this on my vision board. Yes. I love it. You did amazing. It was great.